ministering uh, in our services on a subject that I believe is important to us as believers in this last day that we're living in, and that's the ministry of angels. And we, we got into some good things this morning, and we were talking about the angels of judgment, the angels of judgment, and um, and as we see what the angels of judgment uh, are and what they do, then we're going to see what God's going to do. But the Bible said in Hebrews 1 verse 14, this is our key verse that we've been using during this subject. It said, are they not all ministering spirits, talking about the angels, sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? Now, we're continuing this teaching on angels, and we're learning that angels have a bidding from God to do His work on this earth and uh, and in the heavens also. But mainly for us as believers, they're God's special forces to aid us and to protect us and to minister to every believer. Every believer has this privilege of having your own personal bodyguard. Hallelujah. And thank God for what God has for us. But angels have a specific purpose they're more than just floating around in the, in the heavens and flapping their wings. Our text states, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us, for those who shall be heirs of salvation? They've been sent forth to minister to us and for us. That includes me. That includes you. That includes, because we're born-again believers, that includes every born-again believer who are part of God's family. We are heirs of salvation. We, we have the right to expect the protection of angels in our life because that's part of what God does for us. And now, you, you know, um, we found out that they're created beings. They're created by God. God created all, the, all of the angels in the beginning and, and He placed them in their places and in their positions. You've got warring angels. You've got worshiping angels. Um, you've, got, uh, you've got the cherubs. You've got uh, uh, all kinds of different angels that are in the heavens that God created. In fact, He created all of them, millions of angels, millions. And actually, one, one mathematician calculated there's trillions of angels that God created. This is a, listen, the universe is a very vast universe. It, it's very, uh, I'm telling you, we, we, can't, we haven't even begun to explore the universe. And, uh, th- you know, they're doing some great things now. They, they just sent some more astronauts up into space and etc. But, you know, the thing is, they still have, we haven't even touched the surface of the universe that God created. And they're there for us, the angels. And the, the angels are not to be worshipped. They're not to be bowed down to. They're not to be uh, put in the position of God or Jesus Christ. They are created beings. And we've been made just a little lower than the angels right now. But at redemption, we were made a little higher than the angels. Because now then, we are children of God, sons and daughters of the Most High, through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, judgment is the other side of God that we have not got a hold of yet, is the judgment. But the Bible said in Romans one twenty two or 11.22, I'm sorry, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fail severity, but toward thee, goodness, if you continue in his goodness 
Otherwise, thou shalt also be cut off. So there's two sides of God. You have the God of mercy and the God of judgment. And, and we just kind of reviewing a little bit what we did this morning. But, uh, but he's the God of judgment. He's the God of mercy. And people tend to forget the other side of God. God's a merciful God to those who call upon him. And those who continue in the goodness of God receives mercy. If you're a believer today, you're a candidate for the mercy of God. God's mercy in your life. But the rebellious are the ones who come under judgment of God. They're the ones that rebel. Now, that word rebel is a very powerful word. It's not just not minding somebody. The rebellion is in the spirit of the individual. They don't want any authority over them. They don't want anyone to tell them what to do, what they cannot do. And therefore, there's a rebellion in their heart. And this is what's in the world today. There's a rebellious spirit in our world today. And we're seeing it surface, and it's even getting bigger and bigger and greater. And we're seeing it more and more, the evidence of rebellion that's in our nation, in the earth, as a matter of fact. It's a rebellious spirit. And these are the ones that come under judgment. Those who continue in the goodness of God receives mercy. I want to be part of that merciful group that receives the mercy. And uh, the, to those who rebel and do things that they, uh, that, that, and live the way they want to and, and to live are those who see the judgment side of God. Those that just don't want to, they refuse to obey God. They refuse to obey God. To obey is better than sacrifice, the Bible says. But in today's religious world, there's those who defy God in His holiness. But we found out this morning as we were ministering, I'm just going to go over it briefly, God does chastise His people for disobedience. Now, we, we need to understand disobedience is not pleasing to God. God wants us to be obedient to Him. Now, He's not a hard taskmaster with a heavy chain or a big sickle that's going around your neck and ready to chop it off if you don't do what He says. But God will chastise. God will chastise. Now, uh, I want to read the scripture in Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11. And you have forgotten the ex- exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. <laughs> in other words, don't, don't get upset and fall backwards when you're rebuked by God. Listen, if you're a son, you will be rebuked. <laughs> Because God wants us to stay on the straight and narrow. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. I want to tell you, you're not doing your children any good if you don't have some sort of punishment for their rebellion. You're not doing them any good whatsoever. And and I'm afraid that because we have not allowed the chastening to come, we've got rebellion in our nation today amongst a lot of the youth. Now, we're not saying that all the youth are rebellious. I'm not stating that. But what I'm saying is, it's because of lack of discipline, and it's a lack of taking your authority as the parent and doing what God's called you to do. But look what, God's our Father. By the way, you're, you're a child of God, and we're children of the Most High. So therefore, as children of God, He's our Father, we have to do what the Father wants us to do. That's, that's, just, that's just as plain as it is. We, we do what God wants us to do. And, and He said, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. 
For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you illegitimate, and you're not sons. But furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they barely for a few days chastened us after their own pleasures, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. God wants you to be a partaker of his nature, and that's holiness. Holiness is still part of God's program. We need to be ye holy as he's holy. Holiness is not just outward appearance. Holiness has to come from the heart first. And as you have the holiness of God in your heart, it's going to show and be portrayed on the outside, and you'll begin to live a holy life. Your speech will be cleaned up. Your attitude will be cleaned up. Your actions will be cleaned up. Because God is chastening you, and you're learning to let the chastening of God mold you and make you into a child of God that pleases the Lord. And he said after uh, that we might be partakers. Now, now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So chastisement is good. It's not the same as judgment. We're going to get into the judgment here in just a second because that's what I want to deal with tonight. But it's not the same as judgment. If you're a child of God, you've experienced chastisement. If you were a child at all, you've experienced chastisement. And we've experienced chastisement from our earthly parents, but also God is our heavenly Father, and we're going to, we're going to experience chastisement from Him because He loves us. See, chastisement is not punishment. It's, it's doing it out of love to bring us into line with the perfect plan that God has and the perfect will of God. So God doesn't use any bad thing or sickness to chastise you. Don't, don't, don't let the devil lie to you and, th- and make you feel like you're uh, not loved by God because you're sick in your body. No, the devil is the author of sickness, not God. God is the author of life and the author of health. And God's Word wants to bring life and health to your mind, your spirit, your, your emotions, your body. He wants to bring all of that to you because he, he doesn't chastise people for disobedience. Now, God does chastise people for disobedience. But the, the, that's, that's what, if you disobey, you're going you're gonna to suffer the chastisement of the Lord. It's not the same as judgment. Now, there are those who have rebelled against God in His law and walked out from under the protection of God in His mercy. I want to tell you, there's people today that have tried God's patience. (laughs) Now, God's a very patient God. But you can't continue to walk in your own way and walk in your desires and walk in your sins and walk in your life of frivolousness without suffering the consequences of it. Now... You're a child of God, and you're going to experience it. But there's those who's rebelled against God and His law, and they have walked out from under the protection of God and His mercy. I want to tell you, see, children that are in the home, they've got all the comforts of the home. They've got everything that the parents provide for them. They've got food. They've got shelter. 
Now, as they get of age, they have to go out and earn some money and try to help pay their keep a little bit. Although they can't, there's no way in the natural that a, a, a child could make enough to pay for the whole household. But we need to still learn discipline in our life. And as we learn that discipline, and I, I'll tell you, there's just a whole lot of discipline that hasn't been going on in our nation and in our, in, in our families because you see the rebellion, the rebellious children. And uh, now I'm not fussing. I'm not trying to beat people on the heads of that. I'm trying to open our eyes to the fact of what God does. He chastises us, and we as parents have to lead our children and chastise them in the sense that they will come into line. And so they'll grow up to be a pleasure for you in, in their older years. Now, God does use the word to chastise us. All Scripture, the Bible said in 2 Timothy 3, is, all, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So God does chastise His children, but it's by the Word. God, have you ever got a good chewing out by your parents? Doesn't that just hurt your feelings? When they chew you out because you did something wrong and, and they love you, they, they probably felt like beating you half to death. <laughs> but thank God that they, they may verbally come against you. But you know what? It's for your good. What God does, He comes, He comes against us with His Word. He comes and, and that Word pricks our heart. That Word makes us Feel, if you've, if you've not been obedient to God, you feel bad and you feel like you're some rank sinner down there because you have not pleased the Father. You haven't pleased God and walking in what God's called you to do. But God wants us to be able to walk in the blessings of the Lord. Amen? God loves us and He'll bring us in line with His Word. God's Word will bring you into line if we'll just allow it to. Now, the Bible said... Until we have sorrow over our shortcomings, we've, we've, got, we've got to feel bad for the bad things we do. If you don't feel any remorse for what you've done, then you're not growing up. You've got to have that remorse. And until we have sorrow over our shortcomings and sin, we'll never change. For the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10, For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, Paul had to scold the church at Corinth. And uh, they had all the gifts of the Spirit operating. But yet Paul said, uh, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. This was a church that had everything operating for them like they thought it should be, but yet they were yet carnal. And he said, I had to speak to you as carnal and even as babes, uh, as babes in Christ. I've fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, are you not yet carnal and walk as men? Now listen. That's pretty simple. If a church has envy, strife, and division, it's carnal. God wants us to walk in peace. And God wants us to walk in line with the Word and let God be our Father. But now, that's why judgment is in the Word. It's, it's, it's for the wicked. It's for the rebellious. It's for those who turn their back on God altogether and refuse to line up with the Word of God. This is what judgment is for. That's why judgment is in the Word of God. 
in the severity of the judgment of God will fall upon the wicked and those who refuse to obey him. Now, the angels are God's avengers. That's what I want to get into tonight. They're the avengers of God. And of the angels, he said, who makes the angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? That's Hebrews 1 and 7. But angels are God's avengers. He said, if it be possible, in Romans the 12th chapter, verses 18 through 20, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. God wants us to live peaceably with every individual we have contact with. As, as much as, as it is possible in your life to do. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto the wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. You cannot change somebody's mind. Only God can do that. So vengeance is his. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if, my, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, God in, in times past, and as we uh, talked about it a little bit this morning, he stamped out devilish schemes such as Nazism. Uh, and, in other words, through judgment. Nazism was taken over Germany. It was taken over Europe. It's going all the way up into Russia. It was going everywhere. Nazism was taking its toll. It got so close that the submarines of the, of the German army came right on the east coast of the United States of America. That's how close they got over here. People don't realize that, but it's the truth. They almost came in to our own confines here and brought the war right here to us. But you know what? God, God took it over. Millions of Jews and Jewish sympathizers were destroyed inhumanly. They were put in gas chambers. And those were devilish schemes in the minds of demon-possessed men. And I, I'm, I'm going to say that strongly. They're demon-possessed men. Mussolini was a demon-possessed man, dictator of Italy during that same time. Uh, Adolf Hitler was a very demon-possessed man. He, he had sold his soul to the devil. And he was a demon-possessed man, and he wanted to control the world. And I honestly believe that angels were signed to disrupt this uh, uh, evil plot that was out there. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We have an antichrist spirit in our nation today. There's an antichrist spirit in our nation. There's an anti-God movement against God. They want to take anything that does with God or anything totally out. They want to take it out of our Constitution. They want to take it out of everything. It's devilish. It's demonic. And the people that are trying to force this to happen, and I'm talking about people in high up ranking offices in our political scene in Washington, D.C., and in the state governments around, they are full of the devil. They're demon-possessed. Their minds are controlled by the enemy. They don't even look normal, they don't talk normal, and they sure don't think normal. <laughs> and their actions are not normal. So, we, I, I tell you, I'm going I'm to share this, I'm just sharing these things with you here, because we want to understand angels are God's avengers. Don't you wish you could make it happen yourself? Uh, and do something physically to make something happen? But you know what, you can't do that. But you know what, God can God can through His angels of avengers, His angels of judgment, and they're assigned over cities and countries. Now, there's an angels that, you know, Daniel was praying for Israel, and he prayed 21 days, 
until the answer, the answer was delayed. But suddenly a hand touched him, which made me tremble on his knees, he said. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking the word to me, I stood trembling. He said, Do not fear, Daniel. From the first day that you set your heart to pray, I heard you. God heard you. Uh, listen, folks, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. I, I, I've heard preachers talk and they're ready to throw in the towel. They're ready to just throw in and just give in to the fact and let, they're letting the thing that the enemy wants to do is to divide the body of Christ and to put fear in the hearts of people and prepare them for failure. To prepare them for to be nothing more than just hiding from the enemy. We don't have to hide from the enemy. God is on the throne. Jesus is Lord. And we've got the power of God on our side. Now, I'm not saying bad things aren't going to happen in this world. I'm not saying you're not going to see evil plots and things like that try to be earth, uh, unearthed. And we're going to see more and more until the coming of the Lord, draw, as, the, as the coming of the Lord draws nigh. We're going to see more and more evil plots. And we're going to begin to see these people expose themselves for who they are at this particular time. But you know what we have to do? We have to understand that God's in charge. God's in control. And we need to understand that when we pray, God hears us. God does hear us. We pray every Tuesday here at the church. It's open to anybody. And they come from five to six and we pray. And we pray for our nation, number one. We pray for our leaders in our nation. We pray that God protect them and put, us, put angels around them and garrison them. And give them great wisdom to lead this nation. We pray for our state that we live in. We pray for the governor. We pray for the lieutenant governor. We pray for the secretary of state here. We pray for all of those in charge in the, in the, in the government because I believe in Texas we have a godly government. We do have godly people there. And thank God for that. We're not in California. Praise God. Thank God. I tell you what, you've got dummies out there running the state out there. But you know what? God's on our side. And God is with us and God's for us. But listen. Angels warn of judgment. Abraham was warned when Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed. Remember the angels came to him. And Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, Lot had left Abraham. And, and you remember Abraham gave him the choice. He gave him first choice. He said, now Lot, you look out across the plains here. Wherever you want to go, you go. Because they was having trouble with their herdsmen with each other. And they weren't getting along. Well, that's what happened when you don't have unity of the Spirit, you see. And that's why Lot didn't have unity of the Spirit with Abraham, because there's always somebody that wants to be above somebody else. But God chose Abraham. God chose him to be the father of many nations. That's what, that's what his name means, the father of many nations. Sarah means the mother of many. And Abraham was called, and God said that all of his seed would be blessed throughout the earth. And we've seen that, and we're still seeing that. Abraham's seed is still blessed. And we're now part of Abraham's seed through Jesus Christ. And we're not the natural Jewish seed, but we're all part of the seed. Abraham received the promise by faith, and he received what God said by faith. And we're in that same boat to receive it tonight. But listen, Abraham was warned. The angels told him what was going to happen. But you know what Abraham did? He interceded 
He asked God, beginning with 30, 50 people down to 10. He said, Lord, if there be 50, will you not destroy it? If there be 40, will you not destroy it? He said, if there's 30, 20. And then he got down, if there be 10. And the Lord said, if there's 10, he wouldn't destroy it. And Abraham could have kept going, but Abraham quit praying. He quit praying. Now, God's mercy was shown to Lot and his family. The angel of the Lord told them they came into the city and they were invited into Lot's house. And, of course, the men of the city were so evil. Listen, I want to tell you, the spirit that's taken over this world is an ungodly, unclean, unholy spirit that causes men to want men, women to want women. And it, all, it doesn't stop there. It goes into molestation of children and actually forcing people to be sex slaves. It's happening all over our world today. But this is what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And they wanted the angels. They wanted the angels. You know what the angels did? They smote them with blindness. And they were groping about out in the darkness. But the angel of the Lord told a lot, now get out. Flee. Don't look back. Don't look back. When God gives you instructions, don't look back. If God tells you to make a move, don't look back. You can't look back because God is leading you forward. There's only one, there's only one direction God knows. That's forward. That's going forward. And God wants us to go forward with the things of God. But Lot, he, you know, he obeyed. They got out of the city and he, and the angel said, don't look back because fire and brimstone fell on the city. The judgment of God came. The angels of God brought the judgment. And Lot and his children looked forward, but his wife had to get one more glance. And the Bible said she just turned into a pillar of salt. Now, some people say, well, that's, that's unheard of. But you know what? They've proven scientifically that with the fire and the brimstone and being that close and turning back, that it's possible, very, the possibility was there strongly that a person could be turned to a pillar of salt. You know, just from the heat. And all of the elements that's in the in the fire there, but uh, but uh, you know I'm not going I'm not no great great big expert, but I do know that that's possible according to what scientists have said that it's possible and it, and it can happen and it did happen with Lot's wife she turned to a pillar of salt, but God was merciful. See there wasn't ten there, but God was still merciful to Lot and his family and they could have got out, but God's mercy was shown. And uh, the Assyrians tried to destroy Israel and annihilate the kingdom of Israel. King Hezekiah was a righteous king. Now, the, the, it's a, you know, I love the Old Testament because it's got some stories in there. You can make some series out of it. I'm talking about movie series. <laughs> but King Hezekiah was a righteous king who followed after God. It came to pass. That after the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars. See what the high places were the places where the idols were. And the people went to worship. And they would give their children to the idols. But Hezekiah came in and removed the high places. And I'll tell you what, you can say what you want. But we've got a president today in office that's moving high places. He's removing high places of evil 
and wickedness. And it's happening. And we thank God for that. But, and according to all. Now, and, and he broke the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days the children of Israel burned incense to it and made a god out of it. See, God used the brazen serpent that Moses made for people to look upon and be healed. That was God's method at that particular time. Jesus hadn't come yet to give his life and to take the stripes on his back. But now then, what happened is, they begin to worship. Now listen, I'm going to just insert this. You can take it for what it's worth. But there's a lot of of, uh, church organizations that were formed out of a great revival. Now listen. We've had some great moves of God in our nation and throughout the world, as a matter of fact. England had great moves of God. Uh, Africa had great moves of God. All of these countries have had great moves of God through them at one time or other. You know, Doubting Thomas was sent to where India was. And uh, that, that's where he gave his life. But there was a great move of God. And what happens is we make a sacred cow out of our move of God. And we form a denomination or an organization. And then the body of Christ is splintered here, there, and everywhere. And I want to tell you something. The focal point for any, I don't care if you're Baptist, Church of Christ, Episcopalian, Catholic, uh, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal Church of God, Pentecostal Holiness, Charismatic, Word of Faith. It doesn't matter. If you take your focal point off of Jesus Christ, you've missed it. Don't worship the ministries. Worship God. We have made gods out of our great men of God. And they, didn't, they don't want that. Believe me, I want to tell you something. Most of them don't want that. But we make gods out of them. And they're not, there's only one God, and His name's Jehovah God. And God wants us to worship Him tonight. And that's not putting down anybody. But what happens is we make a sacred cow out of it. And this is what they did with the, with the brazen serpent that was used for healing for the people during that time when the diseases hit them. And they looked upon it and were healed. And they began to worship that and made an idol out of it. You can make an idol out of anything. You can make an idol out of your church building. You can make an idol out of, uh, of, uh, of a musical instrument. You can make idols out of everything. I want to tell you something. Everything you see in our church is material. It can be replaced. Hallelujah. God. Now, I think we've got a beautiful building, beautiful facilities, and beautiful instruments and all that. I'm not saying we're going to get rid of that. That's not what we're saying. But I'm saying we don't want to worship it. We can't worship something that's not godly. It's not godly. And we need to understand, worship the Lord on him only. And the Lord was with Hezekiah. He prospered him wherever he went. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines and, and as far as Gaza and its territory from Watchtower to the fortified city. Second Kings 18 verses 1 through 8. You find out all that there. But he received a letter. King Hezekiah received a letter from the Assyrian king. And he sought counsel of the Lord. And he said, look. He's seeking counsel now. He has come out to make war with you. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you, saying, 
Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. In other words, the, the enemy was trying to put something over on Hezekiah, saying, don't let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you. God's not going to deceive us, folks. God's not in deception. God's in truth. He is truth. And as we get the truth, we're going to be made free with the truth. Praise God. But he said, look, you've heard what the king said. And uh, you shall, and, and, and you, and, and, and he said, you've heard what the king said, do it and done it out to the lands by utterly destroying them and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed? Gozan and Haran and Rezbo and the people of Eden and, and, uh, were in, uh, Telazar. Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad and the king of the city of, uh, I can't say all these names, but, and, and Iva, but you know, where is that king? Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messenger. He read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. I want to tell you something. If you get bad news, <laughs> I won't say something that uh, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But if you get bad news, you can go to the doctor and get bad news. You go to the bank and find out you got bad news. You, you can get bad news anywhere, but what we need to do, we need to go up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. God is the great fixer. He's the mender. He's the healer. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim and you are of God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you've made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear and open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God and you alone. Now this is Hezekiah praying to God. Let them know, Lord, that you're the God of Israel. You're our God and you alone. And then in Second Kings, the 19th chapter, 35th through the 37th verse, it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians. Now look at this. This is the judging angel, the God of judgment coming now. And he sent the angel out and into the camp of the Assyrians that was trying to destroy Hezekiah and Israel. And the angel slew and killed 185,000 Men. An angel slew 185,000. And when people rose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, departed and went away. He returned home and remained at Nineveh. And it came to pass as he was worshiping in the temple. This is the king now, the king of Assyria. And as he came home and he was worshiping in the temple of Nishrach, his god, that his sons, Adrameliak and Sherezer, struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Eret. Then Eshertan, his son, reigned in his place. Now, this is the king of Assyria that came against uh, uh, Hezekiah. 
And here, God's judgment came. 185,000 soldiers were slain at one time. And then the king of Assyria was killed by his own sons. Now, God is a God of judgment. God's a God of judgment. We don't have to fear. God don't want us walking in fear. Angel. There was an angel one time that almost destroyed Jerusalem. And I want to share this with you. David numbered God's people. Now listen, what David did was a (laughs) no-no. What David did was not right. What David did was according to God's plan. See, Satan used pride in David's heart to rely on his own judgment and the size of his nation. And God does not depend on our natural strength or wisdom to defeat the devil. God don't have to have our natural strength or our wisdom to defeat the devil. He is all wisdom. He's all strength. He'll do everything that we need him to do. And he'll save by many or few. This is what Jonathan told David. Uh, uh, he had the wisdom of God. Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, or, John, or actually Jonathan said that, and he said, come let us go over to the garrison of those uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Uh, we need to get that revelation in our heart. God isn't limited to numbers. God's not limited to your abilities. (laughs) Glory to God. We have to understand, it's His ability, it's His power, it's His strength, it's His anointing that's going to do the job. But David said, or Jonathan said, by many or by few. By many or by few. God sent a pestilence, killing 70,000. Now, David numbered his people. Don't get caught up in numbers. We can't get caught up in numbers. I want to see people come in. I want to see, I want to see our house full. And I want to see it filled with people that have come in and got saved, born again, delivered and set free and filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, that's what we need. I, I, I'm not trying to steal other church members. We don't need that. What we need is to get people in here that get, we can get saved, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and begin to do the work of the Lord and let their giftings and calling that God's placed in them begin to operate and see more happen for the Lord. But David began to number the people. Oh, we've got more people than this nation. We've got more soldiers than this one's got. And that's not it. God can do it by many or by few. And this is what we got to understand. And David saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and heaven, having a sword drawn, his hand stretched over Jerusalem. David lifted up his eyes. This is in First Chronicles 21, 16 and 17. He lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, having in his hand a drawn sword um, stretched out over Jerusalem. And David and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell on their faces. And David said to God, Was it not I who commanded the people to be numbered? I'm the one who sinned and done evil. In other words, David began to acknowledge his own sin. And, and, uh, but these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, O Lord, my God, be against me and my father's house, but not against your people, that they should be plagued. David pleaded for mercy. He pleaded for mercy with the Lord. Second Samuel 24. He said David's heart condemned him after he numbered the people. See, David knew he did wrong, and he, and he, would, he, he, he condemned himself after he had numbered the people. David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly 
in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David rose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. Now listen, sometimes there's punishment still. We don't escape chastisement. We don't escape the punishment. And thus says the Lord, I offer you three things that I may do. So Gad came in to David and told him, he said, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. In other words, David said, whatever God decides, (laughs) whatever God decides, I'm willing to take my medicine. I'm willing to do what God decides. And his mercies are great. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning of the appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction. And he said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna. Praise God. Now, God is merciful. Thank God for the mercies of the Lord. What, what, what I'm sharing with you on the angels, we've got to understand there's a good side of blessings, but then there's the judgment side. And angels are used for God's judgment many times. King Herod. Y'all have heard of old King Herod. He was there during the time of Jesus. King Herod Agrippa was puffed up in pride, according to history. And he was the king who teamed up with the Jews that had Jesus tried and crucified. Herod was the one that worked with the religious people that was against Jesus because they did not want to go God's way. Listen, I'm telling you, religion will destroy you. Religion will pull you down. But he was the king who blamed, who teamed up with the Jews, had Jesus tried and crucified. He persecuted. King Herod was the one that persecuted the early church. James, the son of Zebedee, was killed under King Herod. Peter was in prison because of his preaching by King Herod. But God intervened and sent an angel to rescue him in Acts 12, verse 4. And, uh, and it said about that time in, uh, in Acts 12, verses 1 through 4, the Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some in the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to uh, seize Peter. Also, now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intended to bring him before the people after Passover. He set, King Herod set, or Herod Agrippa set on the throne as God. He tried to act like God, and he wanted to be God. Now, look what happened in Acts 12. And on the day Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne, and gave an uh, oration to them. And the people 
kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. I want to tell you something. <laughs> Don't puff up somebody because it's going to be their downfall. Don't puff up a minister or anybody. It'll be their downfall. And the voice of a God and not of a man, they were just yelling. Then immediately, immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. That was an angel of the Lord that struck him. But the next part of that verse, the end of that verse says, but the word of the Lord grew and multiplied. Hallelujah. Listen, folks. I don't care what's happening in this world. God's not done yet. It's not over till God says it's over. And what we have to do is put our faith and confidence in God. Don't prepare for the worst. Let's prepare for God's supernatural power to operate on our behalf and see what God can do for us. Amen? Now, the angel, uh, there was an angel that destroyed the Egyptians' firstborn in Exodus, uh, the 12th chapter. The angel of God came down and destroyed the firstborn. Angels and those who reject Jesus. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast in the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew in shore and sat down, gathered the good unto the vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. This is Jesus giving a parable here. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angel shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. No, those are judgment angels. Angels. They'll administer judgment in the end. So the church is not alone. I'm just, I just want to encourage you tonight. You're not alone. We're not alone. Sometimes we think that we're the only ones. And the Lord said, I've got several thousand over here that hadn't bowed their knees to Baal yet. Praise God. That's what Elisha, Elijah, you know, he was running from King, from Jezebel, a queen. Hezekiah, uh, or, or, or Jezebel, she, she had threatened to kill him, and he was running for his life. And not, no, you know, he, he just running. And God said, I've got 7,000 that hadn't bowed their knee to Baal over here. Praise God. You're not alone, Elijah. There's something God's wanting to do. And so we need to sit down. And uh, just let God, let God be God. Let God bring us through. And I'll tell you something. There's God, there's judgment. But I want to tell you something. There's blessings waiting on us. Praise God. And I, I want us tonight, uh, first of all, I just want to encourage you, don't let fear grip your heart. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. Father, let the word that we've ministered Just come alive in the hearts of your people tonight. Lord, let them see that you are God. And that you are the one that's doing what you said you would do. And that you're not, you're not failing us. You're here with us. Lord, we just praise you. We just praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah. I want you to know tonight that God's on your side. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's not left the church in a lurch. I tell you, our greatest day is ahead as far as revival, and our greatest day is ahead because the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Hallelujah.
Him this week. Let the glory of God fill your place, fill your house. Let His blessings flow. Let His healing power flow. Let God do what He wants to do right now in Jesus' name. We'll remind you, be here Wednesday night with us. Have a live service again at 6 o'clock. Come expecting God to be God in our life. Prayer time Tuesday, 5 to 6. We're believing God to just do something great. Amen. Father, just bless your people. Keep them. Preserve them. Let your blessings flow in their life. Physically, emotionally, financially. In Jesus' name, we just praise you. Thank you, Lord.